we're going to add fasting. Uh, you can look at me. I'm not a big faster. Uh, I can make all the excuses I want. I can say, oh, I've been a youth pastor, and we're just always going, and you've got to make sure you eat well, and you've got to make sure you take care of your body. And I, I, that's my biggest excuse. Uh, so what happens is God has called me as your pastor to fast on Wednesdays. That may not be what God calls you to. And I'm going to learn through that. In this church, there's people that know more about spiritual things than I do because we're a body. And God imparts different gifts and different understanding to different people. And so Tom, God got hold of Tom somewhere a few years back and God has used fasting in Tom's life to change his world. And so when somebody kind of challenges you to, to look at what God has to say, I'm going to look for somebody that I know and trust to share the heart of God, not just Tom's heart, but the heart of God. And so uh, Tom is kind of like hardly wait. How often do you see Tom in the front row? He is ready. Uh, to share what God has placed on his heart about fasting. So here we go, Tom. Lord, be with you. And he said, make sure, pray for me, guy, because I want to be God's words. And so, amen. Here we go. Well, it was at George Work's place that uh, we were on a, uh, a weekend retreat. And Guy and I, we were outside, and there was a big thunderstorm. We were, we were watching it out over the coast. Remember, we were, that, he's up way up high, and we were watching it. It was that weekend God revealed to me what fasting was about. And since that time, uh, we've seen miracles happen within a small group that we have come together in January. Hey, Megan. So uh, 21 days of fasting, we call Daniel Prayer Fast in January, sets us up for the rest of the year. We've seen many miracles come out of that. Blood sugars that return to normal without medication in our whole lifetime. Never seen that happen. My 26 years of having an autoimmune kind of a food intolerance, I just finally said, Lord, uh, I'm really tired of this, you know. I mean, it's kind of like manna from heaven. It sustained me over all those years. But I said, wow, Lord, I'll give you the glory. I used to go in the supermarket, I could maybe buy five things. Now when I go in the supermarket, I tell you, I'm going to be here for a while. I'm going to walk the aisles. It's like, you know, it's really amazing what God does in us and through us. And that's why I can stand here in front of you as a testimony today. Because it's, it's a discipline in self-will. It's an exercise in a spiritual working that God desires for us. It's a cleansing for our body, but... It, what it does, it takes a lot of the surface relationships we have in prayer, and it puts it straight up and down. We get a personal relationship. We build an intensity that God says that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So when we team up together on a Wednesday, and we say we're going to pray, we're going to, pray and we're going to fast together, we now have this binding, braiding rope that now is strengthened because we put the two together. I never knew what prayer was until I started fasting. We got to wake me up in the middle of the night. He started talking to me. It's like, wow. 
I'm not saying anything. Lord's, he is just giving me a message, just like I'm giving you today. Those are in team sports. You love cheering your, you know, your teammates on because you know how much they've invested in that. You stood alongside of them. If they're in a the pool, they can't hear you, but they know you're cheering them on. If they're on the track, they can hear you. So you've invested in your uh, physically and uh, the intensity. You've, you've actually built yourself up to perform. So when you, the God calls you and he's asking you, you have the confidence because you have invested in a time in which you've set things aside. You said, Lord, I really want to hear from you. And give me the confidence, give me the power of the Holy Spirit to when my brother comes to you, I can stand with him and in confidence believe that God hears your very heart. It's a heart relationship. So that's what we're doing. We're building up a relationship we can no otherwise have. God has really told us that he is rewarder because he has seen the intensity. He sees your desire. So let's practice that spiritual kind of discipline that he asks us to have and is expect the unexpected. I know uh, we've talked about my son just Friday night. I'm getting ready to travel Saturday morning, getting up at 2.30. He's talking to me at 8 o'clock at night, and he's talking to me about spiritual things. I think, wow, Lord, this would never, ever happen. I'd never be prepared to even talk to him about this. He and his wife... You know, came up with a spiritual question. That's one of those kind of unanswered things in the Bible. But um, I was able to have the Lord intercede and speak directly to him and give him an answer for that. So thanks, Guy, for... I remember years ago, maybe a year ago, you talked about being intentional. And that's really stuck with me. So let's be intentional. Let's say, let's do this. And God has called us to it. And that's reason enough for it right there. Thank you, Tom. Sean, you want to fetch me that stand? That'd be great. That way the whole church doesn't have to watch me carry that over. I'm going to watch you. (laughs) Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I usually snag this a little bit earlier, and I forgot to. So every week, uh, for the last seven weeks, we had one of you share what God is teaching you about prayer. And so uh, Heidi is a new friend of ours and our church and her daughter. And so she came to me and said, Pastor Guy, I'm ready to share right now. And I have Tom who shared right now. So Heidi, kind of in the, in the, in, I'm going to have you share next week. So we have one a week, and God got you ready a week early. But how often do you have people coming to you and saying, I've, God's got something that I need to share. And we want to be a church. And so Heidi kind of shared kind of her heart. And it was all on paper, and she said, the Holy Spirit's giving me this verse, and this verse, and this verse. And, and so I'm not at all quenching what the Holy Spirit is doing. Because uh, Tom was ready, and the week before, and the week before, and you can kind of, that's what we want to be a church, that the Lord speaks down into your spirit, and then you bring that word as thus saith the Lord. Because the Lord speaks to more than just one or two in the church. He speaks to uh, multiple people in different ways. 
And all of a sudden, you're going to start believing it because you're going to begin to see your church, God's church, proclaiming his goodness throughout the congregation. And uh, so, Heidi, I look forward to you sharing next week. And we'll talk again. She's been bringing her daughter to youth group. And again, we welcome you to CLC. And amen. And so next week, Heidi will kind of bring kind of what she's learned about prayer. I plan to have 20 more books available. We sold, gave away, sold most of them, uh, 75. And so uh, they were supposed to be here yesterday, and that delivery didn't make it. So tomorrow they should be here. And if you're still wanting to learn about prayer, learn about the heart of God, it's, the book is it's not the Word of God, but it's about the Word of God. You can learn without this book, but this book has been a kind of a cool tool. Who has a favorite tool at home? Who has a favorite tool? Anybody? Favorite tool? So what is your favorite tool, Rick? Okay, table saw. Um, who else has their hand up? Uh, Tony, what's your favorite tool? Pocket knife, okay. Uh, my wife has a favorite tool at home. It's a hammer, and I don't get it. And it's little and it's hidden. Because whenever the hammer is needed at our house, it's always down at the church. And every time I need a hammer at church, it's at the house. And I only got 40 hammers downstairs who so we help build you know, houses in Mexico. But everybody has a... This has become a really special tool in my spiritual toolbox. And uh, we understand that this is the Word of God. Amen? And, and, and the Word of God is a living and it's active. And then coming alongside in a toolbox. I have a cool little pair of pliers, and I always tell Chad when he borrows it, don't lose it. It's my favorite tool. And it's got a round nose on it, and you can grab a nail, and you can just roll the nose, and it just, it just, it's very useful. It's, nothing works like that one tool, and I've, the rest of my toolbox is kind of junk, but that one tool, who I treasure that tool, and I've learned to treasure prayer, and this little book, and, uh, God can use tools to change our life. What's your favorite tool? This guy just won first place in all California in plumbing. So now he gets to go to nationals. So congratulations. So as a student plumber, what's your favorite tool? Probably my Sawzall. Those are dangerous, huh? If you have an extra one, give it to Joel. I think Joel just lost his. <laughs> right? Oh, his car got stolen. Megan's old car got stolen when she owned it, and then it got stolen when Joe owned it. And we found the club. That's Joel's favorite tool. He's got a club on the steering wheel right now. The amazing part, we found the club that Megan bought and the key. And my wife is amazing. So uh, God gives us tools. God gives us his word. So I'm going to jump right in. Uh, the Great Commission. We all have heard it. Uh, most, of it. most of us could quote it. So Lord, uh, bless your word right now. Speak not only your truth, but give us your strategy. Give truth context. Give truth feet and hands. Lord, let us be your people who not only understand, but through your spirit, we can apply it. We can make application. And the application is not done in our own wisdom or our own strength, but comes in your wisdom and your strength. 
Lord, being a Christian is kind of a crazy thing because it's about believing, but then it's about applying it to our lives. And every time I apply your truth, I realize how bad I need you. Because <laughs> I just sometimes fall flat on my face. And you say, get back up and let's try this again. So Lord, this morning that we could apply your word and your truth and application and power into our life. If it's a classroom, or if it's a neighbor, or if it's a workplace, or if it's a family situation, Lord, that you're going to bring your truth into it. And you're going to help us uh, walk in that truth, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 28, verse 16. And the eleven disciples came to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus was, had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And the application, like, on the cross, resurrected, met him on Mount Olives, and they're still doubting. But they were there, kind of like all of us. We were there, but we still got questions. That's what I mean by the word of God. You can just stop right there. The 11 spent three plus years with Jesus. They, he, he walked on water. He healed the blind man. He cast out demons. Uh, Thomas stuck his fingers in the holes in the side and hands of Jesus. It doesn't say who doubted, but they were there worshiping him, and they were there presently, and the Bible throws in, and some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore... Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I assured Vicki that God is with you today. Last night, she was talking about mortality. She was saying, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And she's saying, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to give all those things. Because when you're heading into surgery, if you're not thinking that a little bit, you're not really being real, real with yourself. And at the same time, she was embracing the faithfulness of God. The Great Commission takes a lot of faith. So I kind of asked that question, who did Jesus give this great commission to? And that first group were, were his 11 disciples. Verse 16 declares that. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, because we know that there was once 12. And that's a hard story, but it's in Scripture. But the 11 were there, and Jesus said, go to all the nations. So it was a big job, and God chose a team of 11. It's going to take teamwork. We slide over the book of Acts, and we kind of see the team growing. Acts chapter says, but before you go, you better wait for the power. Because what I've asked you to do, because whenever God asks us to do something, it's not going to go well if we do it on our own. He says, you need to wait until the power of my spirit comes upon you. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. 
Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. When God calls you, he empowers you. Sometimes it's not like, sometimes there's a little space in between. Sometimes there's even, for the disciples, there's failure in between. You've been called, and then you kind of have a shipwreck. And then he recalls you, and he says, but now this time you need to do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. So there was a, a 11, and, and in uh, Acts 1.15, in those days, Peter stood among the believers, a group numbering about 120. Chapter 2 is a record of church history about the Pentecost, when power came. So we're called, and then we're empowered. And here we're empowered as a group. Uh, there's a, there's a, a team, the body of Christ together. You imagine poor Peter was the only one called and empowered. It would have been not good. But there was others around him that had the same call and the same power to do God's work together. Then the day of Pentecost came. They were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that, se that separated and came down on each of them. Not just one or two of them, but each of them. All, A-L-L, -L, of them were filled. All were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So now they've got the call, and now they've waited for the power. Was, was, was God done calling a team? Because as you read the book of Acts, the Acts of the first church... The acts of the Holy Spirit, when people hear the call and walk in the power of their call, Peter preaches this crazy message, and he ended his message in chapter 3, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sin, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and the promises for you and your children, and for all those who are far off, all whom the Lord our God will call. So he calls and he empowers. With many others, words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourself from this corrupt generation. Verse 41, the team was growing. Those who accepted his message, this all happened on the same day. This is the, the day of Pentecost. Were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So God is beginning to call and empower and gather his people together. And he's, he gathers us not just to have holy huddles, but to say, ready, break. In the name of the Lord, we're going to go out and we're going to take the message of God. We're going to take the, the message of his redemption, of his love. We're going to take the good news. We're going to take the gospel into our homes, into our workplaces, into our marriages, into our schools. Lord, 
we're, we've been called and empowered to do this together. He's not done. He is not done. So it went from 11 called to 120 empowered and called to 3,000 baptized that day, and the team was growing. At the end of Acts chapter uh, 2, verse 46, it began to talk about what the church looked like. And they were breaking bread, they were praying, they were filled with uh, awe and many wonderful signs and were performed by, and there, there, were, there, was, there was like meeting together. And the very last verse of chapter said, praising God and enjoying favor of all the people, the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. And I can say, Amen. God uses teams of people to do his work. Uh, my first message as, uh, it was two, two months ago, eight weeks ago, I spoke the message out of Mark chapter 2, 1 through 12. And I passed out these cool little green canvas. Pass these out. Take them to Jesus. And that passage, too, of Mark talked about a team of friends that took the lame man to Jesus. A few days later, when Jesus, again, entered Capernaum, the people that were there heard and had come. They gathered in such large numbers, there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. So you can kind of get this... There was, a, there was some type of stretcher or mat or blanket, and they put their friend on it, and each grabbed a corner, and they brought him to Jesus. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then he lowered the mat the man was laying on. If I was a comedian, that would be a great story to tell. I think... Eight weeks ago, I was saying, that guy is saying to his four friends, don't drop me, I'm already crippled. Like, help me, Lord. And these men were determined to take their friend into the presence of Jesus. What Jesus was going to do, they did not know. But they knew that they were called as a team to take their friend into the presence of God. One could have drugged the friend. It wouldn't have been very comfortable. But one man could have put his friend on some type of stretcher and drug him to the house. But when they got there, it would have been, it wouldn't have worked. Two could have carried him, somehow maybe taken a few breaks. But when they got there, it took four to lower, to lower the mat the man was laying on. It took a team. Verse chapter, or chapter two of Mark Verse 5, and this is still a verse that I'm trying to wrap my mind around. When Jesus saw their faith, their faith, not the man on the mat's faith, but their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. So something about a team of people in the name of the Lord doing God's work that can usher in salvation. Imagine that. 
checking the clock. I want to make sure I get to the important stuff. So we did a mission trip, and many, many of you were somehow involved. I saw some of my friends right there. Welcome. You're with Monica. They're the twins, and they were very much part of our mission trip, along with Monica. There was 29 middle school and high school students. There was seven college-age students. That's your three plus four. So I included you. Monica goes, cool, I'm a college-age girl. I like that. There was 20 adults. That is 56 of us as a team called and empowered by God. What was our goal? What's our goal always as we team together for God? To bring God glory. To lift up the name of Jesus. To encourage the body of Christ, the people of God. To edify the church. To See, we've got to keep going, though, because ultimately the idea is that we need to reach the world. We need to work together as a body, as a team, of, to reach the world with the gospel, to share the good news of God's love, his forgiveness, and his hope. In this mission team, there was nine drivers, drama teams, dance teams. It's a good thing that I wasn't on a dance team. Right, girls? Matt Willis dances pretty good. He's the other youth pastor that went. Uh, we were at a wedding yesterday, last night, and I did not dance. I did a lot of hugging. We enjoyed everything, but Christine and I are not very good. Uh, but they were really good at dancing, and they did it for the glory of God. You should have seen the God Squad, plus half the group from CLC, a big group of orphanage kids, all dancing in the presence of the Lord. It was, it was amazing. So teamwork. So on a Tuesday afternoon, at 3 o'clock, the God Squad team and whoever could shake it, and it was for the glory of God, taught the orphanage kids, and there was a big basketball court at, at the orphanage. And this basketball court was what, girls? Pretty full? And they had pretty good boombox going, and they were teaching them a brand new worship song. It was just a worship song that they could dance to. And, and at the same time, the t- the, those who were not dancing, there was, a, there was love boxes that we gave away. So there was 34 love boxes. That day we gave away 29 love boxes. So when they were dancing and, and teaching the kids dance, and it was a beautiful worship song that we got at winter camp from Mike Ritter. So it came from Kansas City to Paso Robles, and then Paso Robles down to the Door Faith Orphanage. And it was just kind of cool how God, God does something as you work as a team. I mean, Mike didn't know that he would introduce a song that would touch our lives deeply at camp. They brought it back to CLC. That night we did the overflow service. And somebody was smart enough to say, I-, I wonder if that song's in Spanish. And it was. And every pastor that we did that song for said, where did you get that song? We want to share that with our whole congregation. So you had team, team working together. A team with love boxes. And when we gave these boxes to the workers, we were able to pray over them. And different students and different 
wasn't always pastor guy praying. It was numbers. And the ladies at times were just kind of weeping. Where's Jaden? Is Jaden still in the house? She's somewhere. She, that, she was there. She was there. Jaden praying. Away. Lizette was there praying. At the same time, there was a group of people in the baby house. And there was 11 little babies in the baby house at the orphanage. So you kind of imagine all these God's teams doing all these amazing things to lift up his name. And then there was a team cooking dinner because it was 3 o'clock and we were going to feed 100 for dinner. And they were, it's called multiplication. When God puts teams together, it's multiplication and he's multiplying the glory and the presence of God. Does that make sense? We all weren't dancing, thank the Lord. We all weren't doing love boxes. We weren't all in the nursery. We weren't all cooking dinner. But when God puts teams together, the Word of God says he places each one as he sees fit. So part of our job is allowing uh, God to empower us and to find what team can we be part of. Bob loves to run downstairs in Mexico time. He just likes looking at the lists, and he just stares at it. No one but Bob just goes down. Bob's been to Mexico. He's not going, but he's just checking out all the lists. And I don't know what. He, maybe he's praying over the, the list, and maybe it's just really cool. But on that list are just all these teams that God has put together. We had an Easter egg team. We had a clothing team. We had a barbecue team. We had a sound team. We had a craft team. We had a worship team. Thank you, worshipers. That was wonderful. We had all the teams that we mentioned, because God is about calling groups of people together and then empowering them to do his work. We had 170 people make a financial gift for this mission trip. So we took 56, but 170 of you, of course, there's not 170 in this room, so some people from other churches and aunts and uncles and grandparents and teachers and friends gave 170 contributions, close to $20,000, joining the team so we could buy Bibles, 1,500 Bibles, that we could, I'm not going to go through all the things that, because it's not, the, but God, when God does something, he does it. And thank God for calling teams together. Thank God for calling churches together. CLC, North County, God Squad Ministry. There was friends from St. Rose. There was friends from my father's house. Because the job is so big, we can't do it ourselves. What Vicki and Tim are going through is going to take a team. People praying and just loving and, and fasting to bring God glory, to lift up the name of Jesus together, to encourage and build up the body of Christ, to reach the world with God's love, God's forgiveness, God's hope, God's redemption. In Genesis, God begins to build a team. Right in the very first book of the Bible, he made the light and he said it was good. And then God said, let the water under the sky gather to one place and let the dry land appear. And God called the dry land, ground, uh, ground land, and he gathered waters. 
and he called them seas, and God said it was good. Six times God said it was good. My creation is good. My creation is good. My creation is good. And all of a sudden, in uh, Genesis 2.18, it didn't take long. Sin hadn't even entered in, and God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. God, in Genesis chapter 2, began to put together teams. And he called them husband and wife. The two shall become one. God created teams for the glory, for his glory, and for us to take the, the good news out. I'm going to close with Ecclesiastes chapter 4, and it's just verse 9, 10, 11, 12. And this passage declares very clearly that two are better than one. So on the back wall, we are beginning to ask God, what teams do you want to form in Christian Life Center so we could better serve our community, so we could better reach out into our, our own neighborhoods. Even what Corey shared about, about this family fun night, we want to be a church where there's families, and families are welcome. We're, we want to be a church where marriages are promoted that's why I wanted to share anniversaries. There's three anniversaries this very week. And I went through those names earlier. Thank God for marriages. 44 years, right? By the, and they're both smiling. They're both, yep, yep. <laughs> so Ecclesiastes makes a real clear statement. And I'm going to read through the whole passage. It says, two are better than one. Do you ever, the important question is Why? Why is two better than one? Because they have a good return on their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. Pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they'll be kept warm. But how can one be kept warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And then the punchline in Ecclesiastes 4, verse 12 a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. I would love to have the time this week to tie some cords together. Remind you that uh, we're better together. And that third cord we know is representing our relationship with Jesus Christ. That with Christ, all things are possible. So the first thing, two are better than one because they have a good return on their work. As you work together, more gets done, and it's a heck of a lot more fun. My brother and I used to dig ditches for my dad because he was a bricklayer, and he would leave me with a pick and a shovel, and I wouldn't get very far. But if my brother and I were there, we got, we tore it up. He said, we'll pay the backhoe to dig that, or you'll pay you guys. And I said, as long as my brother and I are together, we can do anything because two are better than one. The quantity of work happens, and the quality of work goes way up. Have you ever done a job that you don't really care for, but as long as you have a buddy with you, it makes, it's almost, almost what? Fun. Have you ever got done with, with and you've finished together, and you work together, and you go, wow, look what we did together. Wow, look what we accomplished. 
you have a good return on your work. The key is working together using abilities and differences to produce something that you're proud of. Look at what we did together. Uh, spiritual teamwork. Look at what we did together to bring God glory. Look at what we did together to build the kingdom of God. Uh, where teamwork becomes something that God gets the glory. I looked at Chad at the end of Mexico and I said, Chad, could not have done this without you. And he just smiled and said, I know. <laughs> he didn't say that, but he said it. <laughs> Uh, Matt Willis, the list is long. Uh, as you work together, it gets the quantity and quality. It's amazing. Uh, the second is uh, if one falls down, one can help the other up. When we work together, what? We do fall down. We fail. We fall short. We get tired. We get discouraged. Uh, in our weakness and in our failure, you allow the other to serve you and help you up. A team works best when you help each other up in love and grace. So you can only do 20%. I'll, cover, I'll do 80% today. Because we're going to get this done together. Uh, you don't know how to do that? Let me show you how. This, and you begin to collaborate. And you begin to complement. And you begin to get strong. Because even if one falls, you're not saying, well, you're not on the team anymore because you're not very good. No, let me show you, and then you can show me something next week on how to make this thing work for the glory of God. We help each other up. If you've been to my weddings, I know Kim and Tony have been to a lot of my weddings. This is one of my passages because it really describes not just spiritual teamwork, but what a marriage looks like and what friendships look like and uh, working together in the same workplace. Uh, two are better than one. The next one is kind of meant in the context of marriage, if two lie down together, they'd be kept warm. But how could one be kept warm alone? But let's not think about just physical warmth. Let's think about security and safety. So when you're working together, there's a sense of security and safety. We live in a cold, harsh world. In a teamwork, we learn to work together, a place of support, a place of kindness. Uh, so Rachel and I team taught the science school class downstairs. And that was about a year and a half back. And you've been around Rachel. She's pretty smart. Her vocabulary is way up there. She's homeschooler. She's like, she's got it. She's really smart. And so she came down to see how I was going to teach the material. And then I had a chance to go and kind of watch her teach the material. So we taught out of the same book, and we just kind of took turns. It's called teamwork. If I'm always down there, it gets like 52, that's a lot of weeks in a row. And same thing with Rachel. And so as a church, we want to share ministry. We want to, and we're working on that. We're going to continue to be real intentional in sharing ministry. And I wasn't afraid of the material. I wasn't afraid of trying something new. But I was afraid of Rachel. Like, she's going to evaluate me, and she's going to go home and make fun of me in front of Corey. And Corey's already making enough fun of me. And all it took was a phone call from Corey the next day. And what he said was this. Pastor Guy, my wife was amazed. He said, she just couldn't believe what you did with that material. Instantly, Corey and Rachel and I were a team. I know that she wasn't picking on the way I did a lesson. I wasn't picking on the way. But together we learned from one another. Just like worship teams. 
they work really hard, don't you, Lene? And, and it looks really seamless when you're finally arrived, but it's, it, you got to work together, right? Amen. And so, so we want to learn what it is to be a team and to feel that security and that support. One may be overpowered, but two can defend themselves. The sense of protection, of covering, I have your back. You think about the armor of God, and there's no back plate, is there? You've got the sword, you've got the breastplate of righteousness, you've got the helmet. What is, what is exposed? Your back. Right? Am I right or wrong? Right, okay, guys, still awake, I'm about done. So who has your back? God has your back. Who else has your back? When you're fighting together, you've got people around you that have your back. Because as you're working side by side or back to back, your back is no longer exposed. And so you're battling and you're trusting the person that you're teamed up with to take care of your back. If you're always worrying about your back, you're going to be doing what? You're always going to be retreating. You're going to try to find a wall to stand against. People who work in law enforcement, particularly prisons, they're always finding a wall to stand against, right? Any, any of those people who work, you're all, you, you want to make sure your back is covered. And I think I talked with Gary Dick years ago, and, he, and you just kind of learn to make sure your back is, there's no one can, can get your back. And God begins to put together friendships and teams and youth groups and mission teams and marriages. And, and you guys have each other's backs? Yeah, they've had each other's back for a while. They're up visiting, and it's pretty awesome. Cousins have each other's back. Churches have each other's back. The Holy Spirit has our back. The cord of three is not easily broken. I did a wedding, and she was an engineer, and she just paused and said, Pastor Guy, you don't understand. When engineering terms, that cord of three is is unbreakable. She says, I have engineer friends who are going to be at our wedding and they don't really do God's stuff, but they're going to be at the wedding. I want you to share clearly what happens when a husband and a wife and God gets involved, that there's a strand of strength. There's a strand of being one together. There's a strand that, that gets your attention. I've had a few people come up to me at the end of a wedding, and particularly when I shared this verse, said, I mock marriage, and I don't believe in it. This is the first time I heard you speak about marriage, and maybe someday I want to get married. And I'm thinking, oh, I don't, I don't, I'm not doing that for that reason, but you begin to present what God says about teamwork and about supporting one another and having each other's back and working together and standing firm in the truth of the gospel it can be pretty fun. Amen. Let's bow and pray. Thank you, Lord. So what are we here today, Lord?